Good morning. It is a pleasure once again to get to address you from the scriptures. Um, if you don't know who I am, like Drew says, my name is Tony Villatoro. I am planting the church um, in the Spring Branch area, Sojourn Spring Branch, and we are so excited to be included in the Sojourn family of churches. Um, thank you so much for your prayers um, uh, as we uh, plant this church. <clears throat> so we have this text before us, and uh, um, I am so excited to dig in. It was in uh, the year 2010, uh, about six years ago, that my mother started to sell pupusas um, for uh, extra cash. I don't know if you know pupusas, and that's probably like, what are you, what, where are you going? Uh, P-U-P-U-S-A-S. Uh, that's how you spell pupusas, and that's a better version of the Mexican gordita. Uh, no offense to, to any, anyone here. <clears throat> um, but I, I uh, my mom, she just makes these delicious pupusas and she was, you know, uh, selling them for, for, for some cash. And at the time, I was dating my now wife, Ruthie, um, and, and at the time, uh, Martha, my uh, girlfriend at the time, um, was one of the uh, best customers for my mom. And I get a phone call on an early Saturday morning about 10 in the morning, early Saturday morning, and uh, uh, from my uh, future mother-in-law, and she says, could you come to my job and deliver the pupusas for me that your mom has made? And I said, well, I love your daughter. I do see a future, so let me hop on my 1991 Toyota Tercel. It was, it was a red Toyota, sometimes it was pink. Um, it was just one of those old cars, you know, the hood is a different color than the doors and I'm going driving up 249, 45 minutes to see my future mother-in-law to hand her the pupusas and to collect the 20 bucks that she owes my mom. As soon as I get there, she meets me up front and she says, Hey Tony, how do you like this car? She worked at a dealership at the time selling cars and and I said, it's, it's nice. It's a 2001 Infiniti, blue, leather seats, sunroof, better than my 1991 Toyota Tercel. But I'm just here to collect the 20 bucks and hand you the pupusas. All right. I go into the office and she says, here's some paperwork for you. And I'm just kind of like, what's going on here? What was she doing? It was that she was giving me the free car that was right outside the dealership. Now, I have pupusas and I'm collecting 20 bucks and I'm saying, I'll take the car, right? You don't even have to give me the $20. <laughs> and at that time, the, the free gift of the car was way much more than what I had gone to her job for on that Saturday morning. The free gift of that one car that I still drive, 225,000 miles, it's still going, was way much more than I could ever expect on that Saturday morning. And, and today, today what I desire for us to understand is that the free gift gives us much more. Someone say it with me. The free gift gives us much more. See, see, more than a free car 
God's grace, this free gift of God, gives us much more. And what the Holy Spirit in this text is telling us is that that the free gift of God's grace gives us much more than what we could ever expect. And, and, And last week, last week, Carlos, another church planting resident, preached Romans 5, verse 12 through 14, where where we learned that we had been diagnosed with sin. And verse 12, verse 12 reads, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all have sinned. We learned that knowing the disease, knowing the diagnosis makes us run to the cure for help. Carlos told us that an accurate knowledge of our sinful nature produces in us an accurate response of gratitude to the gospel of Jesus. And today, today we see how this sin, how this trespass is different than the free gift of God's grace. After the grimness, after the The darkness in which Paul in the previous verses talks about sin, we receive word about a free gift. After the ugliness and after the darkness of that sin, we receive a phone call that says there is a free gift available for us. And that is what I wish to talk about today. Let's see what this gift looks like. The first thing that Paul opens up this section with is that the free gift is not like the trespass. Look at verse 15. The Bible says, but the free gift is not like the trespass. He opens up verse 15 from the beginning saying there's a difference here between the free gift and between the trespass. The trespass refers to to sin, to man's rebellion against God, man's disobedience. So he says that the free gift is is, is not like that. There is a differentiation between the free gift and the trespass. And he explains it by saying in verse 15, For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. In other words, this free gift gives you much more than the trespass could ever give you. Here we see Adam and we see Christ. John Stott, a preacher, pastor, writes, how can the Lord of glory be likened to the man of shame? How can the Savior be likened to the sinner, the giver of life to the broker of death? How could Paul do this? How could Paul do this? How could he put Jesus and Adam, how could he put disobedience and obedience, death and life in the same sentence? How could he? And he does this because of the magnitude of Christ that we can see. It is is on that magnitude. It is on that backdrop of of Christ that we see our weakness and our sin and our condemnation. It it, it is not that Adam's sin that was given to us, that was imputed to us, that was was given to, passed on to us. It was not that that sin is on the exact same level as the free gift. It's exactly the opposite and much more. So when we see that Christ is better than Adam, 
We can rejoice as a church in that one man, Jesus Christ. And we can sing, see the true and better Adam. Come to save the hell-bound man. That's you and me. Christ, the great and sure fulfillment of the law, in him we stand. In fact, this free gift gives us exactly the opposite of death and much more than that. The next verse in Romans 5:16 reads, and the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. The, the, the free gift has brought us justification. And oh, how we know what justification is from a few weeks ago. Justification, pardon, forgiveness. Justification brings us peace with God and with others. Justification brings us that access to God and, and, and our Brother Paul, church planting resident here, preached to us two weeks ago that we have now been justified through his blood, through Christ's blood. It was a sacrifice of Jesus on the cross that we can be justified, that we can be forgiven. But, but if you notice here, if you notice here, this only comes after many trespasses. The text tells us that the judgment of condemnation comes after one trespass. But the free gift of God's grace follows many trespasses. I don't know if you caught this. If you're really good at math, you probably did. But this is weird for me because I wasn't good at math. How is it that God's judgment can come after one trespass, but God's grace can cover many trespasses? In other words, how, how can the free gift have the ability to cover more ground than the judgment ever did? The only way that this is possible is if we believe that the free gift cannot be measured like the trespass. But the free gift is not like the trespass. The only way that this is possible is that we understand that this is not in the same category. That these are not equal powers in play. This lets us know that the magnitude of God's grace is much greater than anything else. Judgment comes after one sin. But grace, the grace of God, y'all, has the ability to forgive many sins. And this is the concept of much more. This is the concept of much more. A few weeks ago, <clears throat> my wife, we got a letter from State Farm uh, in, in the mail. And um, my wife uh, had me, gave me the task of calling customer service. That's one of the husband duties in our home. Uh, my wife, uh, I'm going to put you on blast, babe. My wife... Uh, <laughs> She does not like to make phone calls and talk to people on the phone, right? So uh, she's like, can we text them? No, we can't. We got to call them. <laughs> All right, so I'll call them. I'll call them, and I'll be on hold listening to this music. So she told me, you know, they're about to increase our uh, insurance. And I said, man, all right, here we go. I'm panicking a little bit. I'm a church planter. Anything that increases cost in our household is kind of, you know, earth shattering. Um, uh, anyway, it went over. I was panicking, calling. Hi, how can I help you? 
Well, I got a letter in the mail, and she told me, well, because you have been with us for five years, we are going to put you and your wife in the preferred category. I said, okay, okay, that's a relief right there. We are preferred now. So this was good. I had good news to tell my wife. But then she told me something else, this customer service representative. She said, we've been charging you 15% of some fee that we should be charging you 10% only. So next month, next month you will receive a credit to your bill from all this time that we have been charging you that extra 5%. Now after that conversation, I got to thinking, not only did we become preferred, But we also got something that I was not expecting at all. We also got something that I was not expecting. And and what I want to make you aware of today is that God's grace is that free gift that gives you much more than what you ever expected. It doesn't just put you in the positive. It doesn't just put you in the positive where you can say, okay, I'm preferred now. It gives you credit. That is God's grace for us in our lives. It's probably not good math, okay? But it's God's math, and that is the best kind of math. The judgment comes after one sin, but grace of God can cover more than one sin. It can cover many trespasses. God's grace is not limited because there are many sins. It can still justify. The free gift gives us much more. And this is why we can, this is why we can receive the super abounding grace of God. This is why we can receive the super abounding grace of God. Look at verse 17. The Bible says, for if because of one man's trespass, Death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through that one man, Jesus Christ. Here, here we see that the abundance of grace is something that ought to be received by you and by me. It is for those who receive it that will reign in life. That's what the verse says. Because the free gift of justification gives us much more. Paul says that the way that we can get there is by receiving the abundance of grace in our lives. Much more to those who receive the abundance of grace. This reminds me of that prophecy given hundreds of years before Christ was born that says, for to us a child is born, a son is what is given. This reminds me of that famous verse in John 3.16 where where the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And the same biblical author, John, wrote, But to all who receive him, but to all who receive what God has given, but to all who receive him, to, to those who believe in his name, God gave the right to those so that they could become, what, children of God? This, these texts that we just went through, these three little texts of Scripture, trace out a gift that God has given for us to receive. 
In other words, the superabounding grace of God ought to be received by us this morning. It ought to be embraced by us this morning. It ought to be accepted by us. But why? What does it matter? Why should I accept this gift? Why should I accept the free gift? Well, the Bible says, For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness, what will they do? They will reign in life. The answer is so that we may reign in life. Because of Adam's sin, death reigned. Because of Christ's free gift of grace, we get to reign in this life. I don't know if you caught this, but we see here that the free gift gives us much more. In in the kingdom of death, death reigns. We were dead. We were cold. We were lifeless. We were inanimate. It brought condemnation to the point where there is no activity. We were deceased. In the kingdom of of death, that's how we were. In our trespasses, in our sins, we were dead. But the free gift, the free gift of God's grace, it brought justification instead of condemnation. It brought life instead of death. And not only that, we get to reign in life. Not only are we alive, but we get to reign in life. We have been brought from death to life, but not only so that we can live, but so that we can reign in life. It's like that story of, 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 of that boy whose father worked in the palace of the king. And one day the boy's father died and the boy was left on the street. Clothed in rags, he remained there for many years until one day, one day the king came out of his palace, came through the palace doors, walked down the street and saw the boy on the side of the road. And he remembered his father and he was moved by compassion and told the boy, come, follow me. Follow me to the palace so that you can take your father's place. The boy followed the king, went up the street, through the castle doors, through the palace doors, and the king told him, you know what, more than giving you a job, more than restoring to you the position of your father, I'm going to make you my son. You're going to be royalty. More than a duty to do, you have all rights to this place. All that I have is yours. You get to make decisions too. More than restoring you to your position, I'm giving you much more. And this is the picture that Romans 5, 17 paints for us. We get to reign in this life. We are that lost orphan boy on the side of the road. But God, God in his love gives us the free gift that does not make us employees of the kingdom, does not make us servants and subjects of this, of this kingdom of life, we get to reign in this life. 
and we can rejoice in our sufferings. And we get to be reconciled with our king. And we get to be at peace with God and with our neighbor. And this, y'all, this should elate us. This should excite us. This should be something that we should walk out of here saying, thank you, God, for this free gift. But we often forget. We often forget that we have received the superabounding grace. We often forget that we have this ability to reign in life. And sometimes we walk in defeat on a Tuesday or on a Thursday. We struggle sometimes to believe that we can receive this grace because, because the street, down the street from the palace, it just, it's more familiar to us. We often struggle to believe that we have, we have the power to possess this grace because the smell of the poverty that we have lived in for some time is more nostalgic and it brings memories. We struggle to believe that we can reign in life even if the king is present with us because we are so much more in love with our reputation, with the mundane trophies and the accomplishments that we have in this life. Even with the presence of the king, we struggle to believe that we have access to this grace. Our sin is how we medicate. Our disobedience is what makes us feel good for some time and the, the feeling of temporal happiness is stronger than the judgment of condemnation so I will live with my temporal happiness. And we struggle and we forget. And maybe today you are struggling. Maybe today you are It's, it's blurry, the picture of God's grace. Because you've been living for your own. You've been living for yourself. And you're struggling to believe that, that you, have, you, you have this grace. And if you're not a believer this morning, you are struggling to believe how this whole grace thing works out because you did not deserve it. And that's the whole point. We don't deserve this super abounding grace of this free gift. This is why I love the, the end of verse 17. It says that those who receive this superabounding grace get to reign in life. How? Through. By, by means of. Because of who? Jesus Christ. It is through Jesus Christ that we get to receive this grace. And, and this is my last point. If we struggle, if we are struggling this morning... If we are forgetting this morning that we uh, have access to the superabounding grace of God, I encourage you to trust in Christ's obedience. Look at verse 18 and 19. Therefore, therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so One act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinner, so by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. The, the, the one trespass refers to Adam's sin. 
The one act of righteousness refers to Christ's work through his life, through his death, through his resurrection. The, the one man's disobedience is, is, is Adam's disobedience against God. The one man's obedience refers to Christ's work. The one act of righteousness. So something that you and I cannot do. Something that you and I will not do. It is not in our power, even if we tried. Because we can't. Because we won't, God gave us Christ who did. Because we can't, because we won't ever do this in our own, God gave us his son who did that one act of righteousness. Christ's perfect life, undeserving death, glorious resurrection is that one act of righteousness. That was the obedience of Christ. And, and, and this morning, we can trust in Christ's obedience because we can't obey. We, we, we can't on our own strength, on our best day, we would not even want to obey. We must trust in Christ's obedience. Here's the thing. To receive this free gift of, of God's grace, to receive the superabounding grace of God, may, may, may seem to you like another chore to do, like another, another duty, another task for you to do. And, and I want to encourage you this morning that what we must be comforted in is that we receive it when we look at and we trust in Christ's obedience, in what he did. That, that active obedience of Christ is how we receive this superabounding grace of God. Your, your act of receiving this grace looks like following the king and saying, I'll go to the palace. Now, for you, that may seem like it's hard to go up the street and into the palace because probably you have had issues in the past. You have had challenges in the past. And you don't know how you can even follow this king into the palace. You don't even fathom. You don't even think, how am I going to be there inside the palace? I was meant to be down the street. And I want to give you a word of encouragement that it is in the power. It is in the procession of the king. It is in the authority of the king that all of that is gone. Because he can always say, he's with me. He can always turn around and say, he is coming with me. It is in his authority that we go walk up the street. It is in his power. It is with his permission that we go walk up the street. This is not a duty for us. This is grace. This morning, we cannot walk to the palace by ourselves. We cannot come to the table by ourselves. Maybe because we've come to love our current spiritual condition of apathy. Maybe because we don't want to be woken up to the reality of grace and we just want to live in our spiritual amnesia, in our spiritual poverty. But today I am begging you that you get to trust in Christ's obedience and receive the superabounding grace of God and follow him into the palace. This morning, that one act of righteousness, that man's obedience, Jesus Christ's 
life, death, resurrection. When we receive that, we get to reign in life, y'all. As we do that, as we do that, as we trust in Christ's active obedience, we receive this grace. I pray that we would receive the free gift that gives us much more today. Let us pray. Father, we are so thankful for the gift of your son this morning. We're thankful that you have given us this grace through Jesus Christ. And today we probably are forgetting the picture of grace gets blurry and we struggle right now. We struggle because of certain things that are going on in our lives. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you do your work. That we get to realize that we are not walking in our own authority, in our own power, in our own permission. We're walking in the King's power by his permission. We're walking, following him to the palace. Lord, on the way up to the palace, may we not forget and fall by the wayside. But may we continue to receive this superabounding grace and recognize that we're not only restored and alive, but we get to reign in this life. I pray, Lord, that we get to recognize that the free gift gives us much more in Jesus' name.